Welcome to the Education Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Adam Bush, co-founder and provost of College Unbound. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Education's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Education Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. You were about to hear part two of our conversation with Adam Bush from College Unbound. Please be sure to listen to our previous episode to hear part one of this conversation. So can you tell me a little bit about the structure of if, if a student comes through your program right now, how long do they stay and how, you know, how, how, you know, do you do credits and do you, how do you do all of that? How do they get a degree? You got it. I'll talk you through it all. If it raises more questions, cause I fumble over things, cut me off, shut me down or uh, ask, ask more questions as I do it. Uh, but I'll jump into sort of the full, the full summary. Um, we have one major in our bachelor's degree. So it's a Bachelor of Arts in Organizational Leadership and Change. Designed it very purposely to think about the theories and practices within each of those knowledge bases to support someone who is in an organization looking to move up and get a promotion, understand power dynamics in that space, someone who's trying to do an entrepreneurial side hustle and start their own business, or someone's doing deep and overt social justice, social change organizing. Instead of those being separate initiatives or majors or folk, folk guy, foci, focuses um, to really see them all talking together. So when we're building a cohort, that folks are working across those differences and across those entry points. Every student uh, in the college from their admissions process, like I said, is asked at the start, what do you care about? What drives you? And then that informs their college degree, whether that is a, a two-month project they're in the middle of, a two-year thing, a two-lifetimes thing that you'll always work towards and never get to. Every student joins a cohort, really eight to 12-ish students with a main lab faculty. And it's part of what they call the work world and workplace lab. You meet synchronously weekly for a three-hour seminar that that lab faculty designs in non-COVID times. That met always in person, and there was always a hot dinner and free childcare. So we think about how do we intervene in the things that someone might not let someone be fully present as a learner, and but we also want them to bring their full selves and their families into that space. So you're meeting weekly in this uh, world and workplace lab that in a first semester has a pretty uh, formalized curriculum to help someone develop and grow out their projects, mission, vision, values, and goals. But future semesters, the lab faculty is really designing in response to student needs as their projects change. That lab faculty also meets weekly with each student one-on-one -on -one to guide their project and think about a personal learning plan. Um, and what else am I saying? You're part of the lab, part of your cohort. That, that lab's curriculum evolves as student projects evolve and as their needs evolve. Um, and we embed the, the entire lab experience within Digication. And I'm not trying to do a shameless plug. It's actually true. Let's go on Digication and see it, and it kicks butt because Digication was the best home for us to think about a holistic understanding of a full student. In that one-on-one -on -one meeting they do with their lab faculty, they're working on what we call the personal learning plan, which is where students sort of a time management tool meets project management meets venting and reflecting upon what's going on in your life. Um, and so it's an archival uh it's an archival tool as well. It's something that when you have that one-on-one -on -one meeting, you're talking through as your agenda. 
What are your questions that drive you this week? What keeps you up at night? What happened last week? What are the things that you're learning in classes that you want to plug in? And what are your project needs? So every week someone's doing that. So if they're looking back on it, sort of have the full story there. Yeah. Um, students are commenting on one another's learning plans. They're learning from each other's projects. You're not designing a group project because the lab faculty is saying it, but you're organically a part of one another's lives and seeing how people's projects are growing. And every eight weeks, you're doing public exhibitions about your work and sharing where you're at and where you need to grow. Uh, we draw on Liz Lerman's critical... Uh, uh, critical response process from from her dance exchange pro, um, uh, company. Uh, that's a really it's a methodology for someone to present their work in progress and do it in a way to not feel defensive about feedback, but be in control of the feedback they're trying to use. So that's the lab, and that happens for three credits every semester of every student's degree pathway. And the lab, in a sense, is like undergraduate advising meets high school homeroom meets your dissertation committee. It's like this mishmash of personal relationships and formality and a community of care. Layered on top of that lab uh, is what we call instructional classes. That's the most kind of traditional framing. Uh, taught by professors of practice in the world or folks who are faculty at other schools as well. Um, default to eight weeks in length, whether they're synchronous or, or asynchronous classes. Default to them being online. Um, there's a core curriculum built into the major. There's gen eds that um, move someone through sort of being an engaged and active citizen of the world. Uh, and certainly there's free electives as well that someone can engage in to help their projects uh, grow in real time. And that eight-week class is really also about best practices of serving the adult learner. Like I said, it's about signing up for a class when you know you need to learn the thing. It also so you're not juggling five or six classes at once. I know when I think back to my undergraduate experience, and I was a full-time undergraduate living on campus, I was doing five or six classes because that's what my work was. That's what my interest was, and that, that was my full identity. For adults, we really want to see it as they're doing the lab, and then they're doing one or two classes at once, and they're thinking about the integration between those sites of learning. And then the third way that someone earns credit at College Unbound is for a robust assessment program we call Learning in Public. And that's really set up. Uh, to recognize that folks have a whole bunch of learning that they may have done before they even step foot into the college. So it's a prior learning assessment program, but also is about present day and future engagement of learning and application of the work that you're doing that may not fit neatly into a class, may not fit neatly into an independent study. So if someone's fighting for policy change in the world, they may not need to take policy 101, but we want to help them document the way that they're fighting for that policy change in real time and help them get credit for that work. And then we also talk about the big 10 within this uh, learning public program. I never get all 10 off the top of my head, but so I'll get to six or seven, I'm sure. Uh, problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, resilience, reflection, advocacy, accountability, three more. They're there, <laughs> but, it's, but every school says that uh, to be a active, engaged citizen, graduate of our, of our college, you're going to demonstrate growth in these things, whether there's five of them or 10 of them or 12 of them. And we, we say that, and we also measured it a buttload when we started this college. Everyone's doing self-assessments and 360 assessments in their workplace and bringing in their family to talk about, like to help them get feedback on, and their exhibitions were built around it. And it's great, and we still do that. But a critical switch happened a couple of years ago. We realized we, we had to put our money where our mouth is. And if you think about it in higher ed, that, that means credit. And we had, in order to walk our talk, 
we needed to make sure there was credit assigned to each of these Big Ten. It wasn't just the thing that, oh yeah, you'll get it by the time you graduate and you need to be at this level. It really is now 10 out of every student's 120 credits towards their graduation is tied to demonstrating portfolios housed in education that are about their growth in these Big Ten. And we needed an e-portfolio system to be the most robust and appropriate place to, to demonstrate that growth. Um, so every student from day one is thinking about that. The labs reflect it. Their exhibitions are demonstrations of sort of a, a focus in one or more of those each time. Um, and by the time they graduate, there's this portfolio that they've gotten multiple assessment points on for each of those 10 that really serves as a capstone of their experience. That sounds, sounds awesome. And, you know, when you were talking about the weekly learning plan um, and you described it as sort of like advising plus, plus you know, sort of uh, dealing with almost like advising plus therapy all and group yeah. and everything all at the same time, I love that because I actually have noticed that in the recent several years, um, many institutions, especially in community college, they've started to really um, catch on to advising as being such a um, a great way to connect with students and also to um, to increase retention and you know to to know what they're doing. But you know, like having a weekly advising session with someone who you you can really build a rapport with and that they will they can remember what your problems are and. And we can sort of catch up and talk about that and see what progress has been made um, is is sort of like a whole different level, you know, um, and I can see that. be and, and, and it's almost like you are working to solve your your life's problems and you try to, you know, sort of make improvements there. But by doing so, you're getting credits for it. Um, and, and doing it in a smart way. And, and that's really amazing. I think for a lot of adults, actually for a lot of kids even, I think they'd love that. My kids would love that. Um, you know, and, 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 and not, not thinking so much about, you know, it's always has to be um, learning can only come from this sort of instructional area um, that, that is entirely about, you know, some kind of, you know, preset content, um, you know, subject matter. Now, let me ask you this. So one thing that I, when I hear this, it, I have this really, you know, almost conflicting feeling that, look, I can, I know Adam, I, I've seen how you work. You just described how you got your, you know, you drove a bus around the country, um, having people, you know, sleep in your parents' floors ultimately means that, you know, you, you do it, you know, you, you, you are innovative, you make things work and you're not, we're not talking about doing something super fancy. We're not saying, you know, Bill, you know, Bill Gates had, had, had given us, you know, a hundred million dollars, we can do what we want. So we're buying expensive furniture and doing all these things. At the same time, you know, when I look at other institutions' financial structure, the idea of having advisor talk to individual people, really knowing them on a weekly basis is expensive to do because they don't have the, you know, they didn't have all these advisors, you know, at hand, you know. So, so to me, it's almost like, wow, it's almost like it feels like some aspects of what you do at College Unbound is this extremely almost like it's very expensive program where you have this amazing service you provide to them that's one-on-one -on -one and you 
custom design a curriculum for each student. Um, and then on the other hand, it's like, well, I know, I mean, you, can, you should talk about it. I know you are not the kind of institution that's charging people $50,000 a year to come to college and bound. Um, right. Am I right? Um, so, yeah, so I mean, so we have a hard cap, but we're not going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, moving through accreditation, part of the thing that allows is for students then access federal financial aid. Mm -hmm. And so we now do charge tuition, though we say we're never going to be more than $10,000 for full-time enrollment, whether that's someone doing 24 credits or uh, 36. Like, it doesn't go up uh, once you hit the sort of 24 uh, number for the year. Um, you know, it's, it's about different priorities uh, when you're building an institution and where you want to invest. But it also is thinking about what's the, like, what's the unit? What, what are you working with? And yeah, it's individual student, but really I see it as a family is the unit that we're thinking about and cohort is the unit we're thinking about. So we have a lot of husband and wife teams, uh, <laughs> father uh, and kid or mother and kid, um, uh, nieces and nephews that are working it like so folks are entering and we're thinking about how do we measure that change that affects more than just the individual but how that individual is connected to a whole a whole nexus um and that any investment that we have in a student is then helping generational change in that way um and when we think about uh, investments in the college you know each student's a part of a cohort so when we're mapping it out it it really is that the cohort is the thing that we're building around and making sure that all support services are run through that space so that the advising that you're saying that's so important is actually part of the curriculum. It's how we're paying our faculty. Uh, the student services that would be uh, dinner and childcare and things like that are embedded into what the fees and tuition are covering. Nothing's an add-on. Everything's a part of the curriculum because everything's a part of learning. So when you see it like that, it's just, it's the package deal. Um, and it, it's woven into the fabric of the school. We're not paying for buildings. We're, you know, we're not paying for growing a campus. We're really about that cohort experience and that one-on-one -on -one experience that a student shares with their faculty member. Uh, and so with that, we're more nimble. With that, we're, able, we're also able to uh, grow in different ways. And, it, and we're able to be that accordion that I said that can grow and shrink without worry. You know, that sounds just so smart to me because and and maybe it's a it's smart because you you're smart and you're you know you're 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 very flexible and open-minded but at the same time i i think that there is a built-in advantage that you are a new institution you don't have to go in and maintain an existing campus because i i can't imagine a camp you know that campus campus that already exists you can't just go and get rid of all of the, your buildings um well, maybe they can, but it's not easy, right? Um, and uh, it doesn't translate very easily. And when you have your building, you have capital expenses, you have you have to hire a crew of people just to maintain it, um, and and you don't have that. So instead, you're using that funding much more, you know, sort of, you know, like you said, you prioritize them towards uh, things like advising, towards things that you feel like really matter and can move the needle for your students, for you. And I love, 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 love this idea of sort of family, you know, looking as a family and both sort of uh, metaphorically, but also literally having families being part of the program 
together. I actually think right. that this is so beautiful because I I think that it's it's perhaps the most direct way that I've seen a higher education institution being able to have direct impact on social mobility in places that needs it the most. Um, because there are so many places when it's a generational cycle that one gets into, you know, a uh, uh, one generation, you know, never received the, 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 the opportunity they were, assumed that they couldn't do it and you are capped off somewhere in the in the social mobility ladder um and so you never got out of that and when you have then your next generation your your offsprings are also stuck in that same cycle and you just keep going and going and going and you never get out of it and i think that you know when i was a kid i i used to live in i grew up in hong kong and and there is this thing called the American dream. And the American dream was that, you know, you, you can just, you, if you try, the opportunity is there and you can make it, you know, and it's all up to you. It's, 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 it's that. But I feel like that after living now in the United States for, for, for I guess, a couple of decades now, that, um, yes, I see that, but, but, but it's actually only applied to a very small percentage of people. Um, and they have to work really, really, really extraordinarily hard. And sometimes they have to have met extraordinary opportunities um, in order to get that. For the vast majority of people, um, actually the social mobility index of the United States is pretty low comparing to many other countries. Um, it shows that we are not good at you know, lifting people out of, you know, um, poverty out of you know sticking sticky uh, uh situations sticky you know environments um or have helped them improve that environment and i think this is what your school is doing and i think that's what's so important about college unbound well and um higher ed's supposed to be an engine to get folks out of poverty and get and really think about um you know, folks being in control of the lives they want to lead in different ways. And instead, um, certainly because of a student debt crisis, folks are getting hamstrung by their commitments to higher ed that we've talked up. We've created the crisis by saying you need a degree. And if you don't get a degree, you're not going to be able to move up and do the work you want to do. But to do the degree, you've got to go into mountains of debt to be able to do that. And then you can't get out of that debt. So one, Absolutely, all debt should be wiped out right now. And um, we need different higher ed models that aren't just built on the accumulation of debt. And, uh, you know, it was really important for us, uh, for institutional sustainability, to, for our students to have access to uh, Pell Grants and subsidized loans. And I'm terrified whenever any student graduates or especially doesn't graduate, and has debt associated with their experience at College Inbound. Because I also know um, we work with so many students on the front end who can't yet start because they can't get the transcript out from other mm -hmm. institutions because they have debt associated with it. So we're doing that work well on a student-by-student -student basis. We need to make sure and prioritize. I'm not saying we're, we're not, but I'm saying we need to make 
we need to continue to uh, ensure that anyone leaving college inbound, whether with a degree or not, is doing so with an understanding of any debt burden and also a way out of or to manage that debt burden. Um, and I am, I'm hopeful and I imagine a college inbound where there isn't debt associated with it, where it is free because of thinking about different income streams to the college. Um, so, and so that folks can come to see you in a risk-free way uh, to find whether it's right or the right time. Um, because I worry in all kinds of ways about becoming the thing that we were created to fight against. Right. We, like, we want to be a different kind of college. And also becoming an accredited college is all these ways you need to still function as an institution of higher ed. And I want to make sure that we, we do what we need to do and we don't fall fall back into the things that we're trying to fight against. Right. Speaking of that, um, when I think about colleges, they, they, they consist of different departments and people and, and so on. Why don't you tell us a little bit? I mean, you are the provost at College Unbound. And um, wh- who else is in the picture? Who are the people behind this amazing organization? What are the different people, the roles, and how, they, how do you prioritize you know, these different yeah. people and roles? Oh, my gosh. So I'm, I'm so thankful for who is college inbound now and also who has been college inbound and also I'm excited for who will be a part of this uh, staff and faculty and board and alumni and student community. Um, you know, we're, we're building the plane while we're flying it. So there's been different institutional needs as we've been at different points of this process. It certainly is really important that we build up a robust academic affairs uh, department right now. Um, certainly COVID has made us think and rethink and recommit to building online infrastructure to support students. And so I have an amazing uh, instructional designer, head of instructional design and institutional research, who's really thinking creatively about those ways and what it means to build an online environment uh, for deep teaching and learning and reflection. Um, But we're also actively hiring. So if you're watching this and you're interested, come on aboard. Uh, Certainly there's folks in development, there's uh, folks in communication and things like that. Um, you know, our our staff, I really love the idea of building a staff that's connected to our alumni community. Uh, so as folks graduate, they find ways to plug into the institution, whether on a full-time and that's their full job or as a part-time way that they're still actively a part of uh, the college-bound community. We have a role called alumni mentor so that every cohort uh, with that lab faculty has someone who's been through the college amount experience as a student joins there at joins a cohort as a really keeper of the philosoph- philosophy and pedagogy of the college like a lab faculty we hire maybe an amazing lab faculty but maybe hasn't supported a cohort before and students coming in the first day may not know what they just walked into so you really need someone who's been through that experience to ensure um to ensure the model is doing what it's supposed to do so we have all these alumni mentors spread throughout the cohorts. Our faculty, um, a lot of them are folks who teach in, in higher ed in other institutions, whether full-time at the end of their careers and looking to make sure they're working with adult learners or brand new to a career in higher ed, but want to make sure they're in control of what their path and profession is. And so are working with adult learners through College of Mound to make to maintain uh, that commitment. 
We also have uh, a huge faculty of professors of practice, folks who aren't teaching anywhere else, but are teaching in their workplaces, are experts in their field, and want to make sure, just like our student body, are out in the world, but making time for teaching and learning in College and Bound, that we're building a faculty that reflects that too, and reflects those same commitments. Um, and then, you know, our students really are building it with us in real time. Uh, I was just last week hearing about a student group that, um, that's self-organized called the Sandwich Club. They see themselves as the sandwich generation because they are supporting their kids and thinking about elder care and their parents and during this COVID moment doing all that. And so see themselves sandwiched between that. We have affinity groups that meet both during lab time and also informally throughout the semester of folks whose projects align. Um, and out of that, out of affinity groups or the sandwich club or things like that, we, we need to fund those. We need to support those initiatives. We need to create hubs where they can gather and share together ways that as they graduate, they can come back to lead those clubs or teach classes that will support the students like them who are here. So we're figuring out as we go. But I'm so excited to introduce you to, to alumni uh, in our program and to folks who are building our infrastructure. That, that, that is awesome. And um, so you, you, listeners, you heard it here. Um, if you wanted to work with these amazing people, amazing people like Adam, and I've met many of your colleagues and, and Adam is probably the wildest of them all, but they're all pretty, they're pretty awesome people as well. Uh, and uh, if you wanted to work with really innovative people like Adam, um, uh, you know, please contact him. Um, they should visit College Unbound. Um, is it .edu now, or what? It, what's it? What's it? What's it, the website? It, it's still .org. Good, good point. Yeah. We're still .org. Still .org. Okay. We um, the DOE needs to be informed of our accreditation, okay. and then they inform yeah. Educause, and then we become .edu. Yeah. So it's happening soon, but we're yeah. still a .org. So .org, maybe by the time you listen to it, depends on when you do. Maybe it's .edu. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but uh, you know, it would be uh, you know, like this is if you are you know stuck in an environment where you're not happy. If you are, if you know that you came into higher education for a different reason. Than what you're doing right now in your day-to-day -day job, this might be the, the 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 fresh air that you're looking for that allows you to spend um, ninety percent of your time on things that really matter and only ten percent of time on the logistic stuff that you know that you're probably currently spending ninety percent of the time doing. Um, so, <laughs> Adam, let me ask you just one last thing. We'll wrap up with this last question for you. Yeah. There are. I feel almost bad for a lot of our listeners because they are going, they are, they, they, they obviously, you know, many of our listeners are going to be uh, are, are folks that are in higher education and uh, educators. And it's not easy for, for them to look at what you're doing and going, wow, that's wild. But we can't suddenly go to a no campus model. We can't suddenly go and say every week we're going to have an advisor now for all, all our students. And we can't have them design their own curriculum as we see fit because that's not how our program works, right? So in those cases, are there any sort of small tips, small things that you feel like, look, if you you know, look, we, we understand that you can just go and make these big, giant, you know, changes. But what are some of the things that you feel like 
that you've learned that is applicable to any higher education institution that they can do that is, you know, that is going to make a difference, you know, practically for their students? Yeah. Um, I mean, I meant it when I said institutions are slow to change and they only change when they have to. Um, this moment of economic and COVID and uh, crisis of upending racial hierarchies that are embedded into, into the fabric of our uh, country, I think there's opportunities to push institutions. So I know you're asking the like, what's a small thing that anyone can do? I also think this is a chance to really push for big things um, and to make sure your institution is um, is walking its talk, walking its talk. That's the way to do it. I always mix up which one is which. Um, and so I, I'd say you should organize on campus. You should uh, fight for big change. And in each of your spaces, you know, I mentioned high impact practices. Those certainly are institutionally approved, authorized things that any school wants to do, that there's support structures embedded into national organizations to help you figure out how to do that on your campuses. Um, and every campus, every institution has spaces, has wiggle room, has subversive ways to do things that you care about. Uh, and whether that structure is an independent study uh, or through student services and getting access to money to start a club, um, or making sure that every, if you're a teacher, you're starting every class with just, how are you doing? What, what's going on in your life? Um, there's ways to make your institutions more humane and to recognize the full humanity of your students and of those you're working with. And, and at College Unbound, we struggle with that a lot still, and I struggle with that a lot, certainly. There, you feel an urgency of like building this school, and the things that get rewarded are the like creation of new stuff, and go and grow and do it. And at the same point, it needs moments of reflection and real work that we all have to do to make sure that we are all walking our talk uh, and, and living up to the ideals that we're, we can sort of speak freely about, but need to make sure that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and there's ways that COVID has certainly, whether exasperated or just laid bare, that uh, these changes need to be fought for. Um, and I know we're not doing it as like a digication plug, but it really is like, there's real crummy structures and online infrastructure out there. There's also ones like digication that are set up to allow someone to bring their full selves find those, create those, and nurture those so that your students are comfortable to do so. Um, and a place like Digigation where someone can control the privacy settings too, it's like they can make it for themselves. They can make it as a class project. They can also make it for the world. And I think that that's an institutional ethic that needs to be in everything. Um, so online resources, but how staff work together, how uh, a class is run, how people engage on a day-to-day. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Adam, for sharing your experience, your wisdom. And uh, I, I hope that we get to touch base again and maybe do a follow up episode, you know, you know, every once in a while. Uh, it would be so amazing to sort of um, sort of chronicle your journey as you continue with um, College Unbound and undoubtedly doing 
um, boundlessly nice um, things to the to the society and the community in general. And I, I, I really believe in the idea and I am so grateful that um, me personally, as well as Digication, have been uh, able to partake in part of this journey. Um, thank you. Thanks, Jeff. It was really nice to have the space with you. I'm excited to keep building together, figuring it all out together. Okay, take care. Take care, buddy. See ya. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius and Amanda Driscoll. Thanks for listening.